the Kings finally won a preseason game, so they don't get shut out in the preseason. They end up going one and four in a weird back-to-back preseason situation, which I don't know why they would ever do that. Play a back-to-back when they just don't have to in the preseason. It seems very weird, but nonetheless, that's what happened. Uh, Before I get into what happened in the game, I do just want to comment on some Kings news, and that is something that came out after the game. Jalen Noel has been waived. And so he does not get that last roster spot. There's still one roster spot remaining. We have 14 players on NBA contracts. We have three two-way players. So one uh, NBA roster spot left. We did hear today from Brooklyn that Harry Giles and Trendon Watford beat out Darius Baisley for a, a spot in Brooklyn. And so Darius Baisley was someone who was rumored to have interest from the Kings, I believe, at the last trade deadline. And so maybe that's an option. I I think it's clear that where this team needs help is not at the guard position. It is at the wing position. And that was kind of even more clear if it wasn't already after this game. You don't need Jalen Noel when you have Colby Jones performing as well as he has been. And so that was a big part of this game. This really was the Colby Jones game. He went 7 for 13 from the field, 5 for 8 from 3. That's something that I didn't expect. He's been shooting really well from 3 in the preseason. He's definitely not a movement 3-point shooter like everyone kind of knew coming into the NBA. He's very much a catch-and-shoot guy. But he's even better at um, in-catch-and-shoot scenarios and even more confident to let it fly than I thought he would be. I thought that that might be a little bit of an issue, but... Seems to be good so far, and obviously it's a small sample size, five preseason games, but he's been great from three. But then other than that, he's been very consistent. He's been very smart in everything he does. And in this game, we saw him more as a backup point guard with the ball in his hands more often than we had in past preseason games. And that's something that I wasn't totally sure about. Like, could he be a point guard, or was he just more of a a two or play the three even? But he looked good handling the ball, and you can tell he's a smart player, and so that helps, obviously, at the point guard spot. But my worry has been, and and still is even after, you know, one good game of him being a backup point guard— against a Utah Jazz team that was sitting out a lot of their guys, just like the Kings were sitting out a lot of their guys, or main guys. But the concern was maybe that his handle wasn't tight enough and that he just wasn't a true point guard and that he was a good scorer and could, you you know, make good decisions with the ball but not truly create in the offense uh, as the main creator for others. Like in, in past games, I think he's been troubled by defenders getting up into him and we didn't see him get troubled at all in this game and again this is a a lesser jazz team than than other teams we've seen who weren't sitting out as many guys but it's still encouraging and he looked really good operating out of the pick and roll just playing at his own pace uh playing in the pick and roll with Alex Len making some nice passes and just not hesitating at anything. He would 
you know, catch the ball at the three-point line, and immediately a shot was going up. Like, even if he had missed the pass one, there was no hesitation, and he's been like that all preseason. So really encouraging signs from Colby Jones that he can carve out a spot in the rotation. And the Kings have a, a good problem in that they have a lot of good guards, but also uh, an actual problem in that it's a lot of good guards that can't necessarily defend and not the wing depth that we might need. But because we have the good problem of having a lot of good guards, it allow, it's going to allow us to make trades in the future. And I, I think it's just so clear that this team needs to make trades to consolidate this roster or to balance it out more. Either trade, you know, multiple good players for a great player or trade just a good player for another good player, but at more of a position of need. I think, you know, something I've been saying is that, you know, the Kings obviously have a bad defense and a lot of the blame gets placed on Sabonis. And I just don't think that that, that he's the problem. Like Sabonis, I've been adamant that he is an underrated defender. He contests shots at the rim well. He's really good at switching onto the perimeter and guarding smaller guys. There's no doubt that he's not some elite rim protector. And so he can't cover for others' flaws. But guess what? Things in the league are decided by who is the most skilled players, right? And so our guys are Fox and Sabonis. So it's on the rest of the team to cover for those guys' weaknesses, not the other way around. Sabonis doesn't need to cover for our wing players' weaknesses. It has to be the other way around. And so we just have to be better on the wing in terms of defense. And it's not going to be Keegan Murray getting traded. At least I don't think, right? So you just can't have Herter and Barnes out there together with Keegan Murray, with Demonis Sabonis. It just doesn't work. It's it's too offense focused. I mean, it it works for the regular season, and it can be a great. It can be a great offensive team, but there is a, a pretty low ceiling, I would say, on the defensive p- potential of the team. And I think you saw in this game, you had Javale McGee out there protecting the rim. You had Alex Len out there protecting the rim. And guess what? The Jazz continued to score in the paint. It didn't matter. Because it's not just about rim protection. Because if guys are just driving by their defenders every single time getting right to the rim, it doesn't matter if you have Rudy Gobert back there. It doesn't matter if you have Walker Kessler. It just, if you allow guys to get to the rim on every single possession and the rotations are poor, then the other team is going to score a lot in the paint. But I'm not super worried about this problem because the Kings are in such a good spot um, asset-wise. They have most of their picks except for the one this year, which is protected, but hopefully will convey because hopefully will be good and it, it won't need the protection or meet the protection. And there are so many good-sized contracts, good value contracts on this team. This team needs to be balanced out more. So Somebody's getting traded. Barnes has a solid value contract. Herter has a solid value contract. I know he just got here, but Vezhenkov also has a smaller contract. There are so many tradable contracts on this team. And so 
it gives the Kings and Monty McNair a lot of flexibility to have a lot of different possibilities in, in who they can trade for. And there are definitely teams that want a guy like Kevin Herter, want a guy like Harrison Barnes, want a guy like Davion Mitchell. Like, I don't know who it would be. I, I think, obviously, at least one of Kevin Herter or Harrison Barnes, if not both. But other than that, I don't know who it could be. But it just seems like one of those guys is going to be traded uh, by the end of the season, by the trade deadline. It just makes the most sense to me. Because you have Sasha out there who had a fine shooting game like Heat. You can obviously see the potential with him on the offensive end. But he's not a good defender either. And he's going to struggle to stay on the court because of that. But maybe... If you have a more balanced roster, then he does get bench minutes if you have other wing defenders. And so that's the depth we're talking about. Colby Jones, obviously the same thing. I think we're in a position where we can trade someone like Herter or Barnes or even Malik Monk, who I think is less likely to be traded because of his role off the bench. But maybe he does get traded because his contract is, you know, ending after this year. So even that's a possibility. So I think this preseason has, well, it's confirmed what we already knew in terms of the Kings defense and, and the needs for wing defense. But, uh, you know, I think it's it clearly has shown that trades need to happen, but it, it doesn't necessarily need to happen right away. We're, we're in no rush. We're still going to be a good team. We were the third seed last year with all these problems, and we've only gotten better since then. So... Obviously, if things go south early in the season, then yeah, he might make a trade pretty quickly. But, you know, I think we'll, we're in a good position to wait for the right trade to come about. Maybe it's all the way until the trade deadline. But uh, I do think some trade has to happen. But then let's talk about other things that happened in this game. Uh, let's talk about Davion Mitchell, who played the most minutes out of anyone with 32 minutes. He has taken a lot of threes this preseason. He took nine in this one, went three for nine. His shot looks a lot better. Three for nine is not great, but even three for nine is better than what he averaged last season from three, which was 32%. And so far, he's shooting 38% from three in these five games, not on a small sample size. That is 10 for 28. And he was absolutely firing away. No hesitation, and I love to see that from him. His weakness offensively is finishing inside because of his size. He gets blocked a lot or he's scared to go up because he thinks he's going to be blocked. But that's not really going to matter if he can knock down threes at a good percentage. He, he doesn't need to be that guy inside. But his playmaking in this game was really good. He was making really nice passes, seven assists. And I there's just something about when he starts the game as the point guard his playmaking is just so much better than when he comes off the bench. And maybe it's about playing with Malik Monk versus not playing with Malik Monk. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't think it's about other personnel out there, but maybe. But there's just something about when he starts versus when he comes off the bench. Like, he's so much more confident passing the ball, driving into the lane, taking screens, passing the ball, and... We just don't really see that with him off the bench, which I would love to see if we could even get a fraction of that off the bench. But in this one, it was 
Malik in playmaker mode off the bench and in scoring mode in the, in the fourth quarter. He ended with 23 points, 8 assists, only 2 turnovers, which we love to see from him because he can you know, be turnover prone. But his passes were really good all game. That Monk to McGee lob connection is so good. Monk is just not afraid to throw it up there. The only problem I see is then Alex Len comes in the game and he's trying to throw those same passes and it's like, okay, maybe calm down a bit. Len can't jump as high as McGee. And then I imagine that with Sabonis and it's like even worse, you know, Sabonis is even smaller than Len and can jump less. So it's like, he's got to realize who he's got there. When it's McGee, it's fine to throw it up, but other guys not so much, but his passing was really good, especially out of the pick and roll. JaVale McGee was pretty solid. He was our leading scorer at halftime. Made a couple of solo post moves, which was interesting. I was like, okay, maybe maybe don't do that. Uh, Walker Kessler and him were going back and forth, posting each other up, and I'm just like, what, what are we doing here on both sides? This is dumb, but McGee was actually making a few. I know Mike Brown was not happy with the three turnovers from JaVale. But, uh, and then he said JaVale would play about 12 minutes a game off the bench, but not if he's turning the ball over. And so that's what he needs to clean up. But I just love having a guy that can go out there and bang with Walker Kessler. Like last season, I mean, it would have been Alex Len out there and obviously Sabonis, but Walker Kessler dominated us. And Walker Kessler still had a good game. It was still, you know, got the better of McGee a few times on the boards, but it was a, a lot better in this one. And you could see the impact that just a bigger body and a, a taller guy with longer arms, you know, the difference that can make. Kevin Herter had a rough one. He made two for six from three, but it was it was two-point range where he's really struggling, which was not what we saw last game and is not what we usually see. Uh, last season, Kevin Herter was super hot and cold from three, but he was super consistent uh, from two-point range. And so it's unusual to see him struggle as much as he did from two-point range, and he just looks off, but I'm not too worried about him on the offensive end. Hill, he's super hot and cold, like I said. He'll, he'll find a hot streak, and if he wants to get the cold streak out of the way in the preseason, then that's fine by me. Barnes looked super slow defensively and you know, wasn't adding enough on the offensive end to really make up for that. It's not not a great game from him. Sasha, a really tough defensive game. Like he, yeah, he just can't keep up with guys. Uh, Abaji, Taylor Horton, Tucker were all blowing by Herder, Barnes, Veshenkov. Taylor Horton, Tucker was really causing problems. It's just a bigger body that was too big for Davion, but too quick for Barnes and Herder and Veshenkov. So, again. That's just what I talked about earlier. That's where the weakness is. But Sasha's rebounding is always good, which is something that, you know, at times the team struggled with. So that's a positive. Alex Len had a tough game finishing around the rim. But other than that, he got to the rim a lot, a lot with uh, Malik Monk passes and got to the line a lot. But then he also blocked a ton of shots. Five blocks, seven rebounds, led the team in plus minus, plus 23 I mean, I just, every time this dude is on the court, he's making good things happen. He just knows his role and how to positively impact the game. 
So I'll, I'll always be an Alex Len supporter. Kessler Edwards got a bit of run, a good amount of run, and he looked a lot better than he has recently. He's just been pretty quiet recently, and in this one, it just felt like he wasn't forcing things as, as much as he can at times. And it led to a lot more efficient night, two for two from three, which obviously I don't expect every time for him to go 100% from three, five for seven from the field, eight rebounds, which is really good, and just was playing more within himself. Still taking the open shots, but not forcing as many bad shots. And then Keon Ellis was the last guy to get a significant run. And for him, rough offensive game. It was definitely more of him at the two, Colby at the one. That was the lineup. Uh, him and Colby together on defense, though, it's a lot of hands in the passing lane. Like, that is a very disruptive backcourt duo. Keon Ellis, super long. Colby, you know, the same. And they both love to get in the passing lanes. Keon, better on the ball at stripping guys. So a good defensive performance from those two guys, I thought. Keon fouled a lot, but... He's a young guy who's trying to get into guys, get physical, and so that's just kind of going to happen, and I'm fine with that, because he's not taking bad fouls. These are fouls where he's trying to play good defense and trying to disrupt the other team, and that's something that Mike Brown has preached. He wants guys to be physical and be disruptive, obviously without fouling, but it's going to happen to a young guy. Really, my takeaways from this game is Colby Jones, man. This guy is really good, and it's crazy that we could have had him at 24, but Monty McNair knew something, obviously. New guy teams were not taking him, and so traded back and still got his guy, and, and we can see why. Monty McNair has just been super impressive in the draft. He, he hasn't yet found a lot of second round guys, but Colby Jones is that second round guy that should have been a, a first round guy. But then you obviously have Halliburton, Davion, and Keegan as the, the lottery picks that he's hit on as well. Also, one more thing about Davion. You know, I was talking about his uh, playmaking in the starting unit versus the bench unit. And one play that I just remembered that kind of highlights just the different mindset that he has was just a play where he caught the outlet on the wing and then just immediately turned up court, took a few dribbles, trying to push the ball up the court quickly, made a pass that led to another pass that led to an easy bucket, just catching the Jazz sleeping. And so that's not even an assist. That's not one of his seven assists. But that's more making things happen that I just don't see as much in the with him in the bench unit, but hopefully that can become part of his offensive game. Anyways, that is it for this episode of the Roller Report, and that is it for the Kings preseason. Finally, we are getting the regular season underway, and the Kings' first game will be against these Jazz, but it will be in Utah. Finally, no more moral victories. We don't care about the actual result. Now we can actually care about the actual result. No more moral victories. We want actual wins. I'm excited to see what the Kings do with that last roster spot. So if something happens with that, I'll definitely be back. And if not, 
then I will catch you guys after the first regular season game of the season. Peace.